You may be seated in the presence of the Most High God. If you've been here for the last month, I'm sure you've developed a, a relationship with this young man by the name of Gideon. He was called from obscurity. He was called to lead a weak and a poor and an oppressed and a downtrodden nation by the name of Israel. And we know Israel. They have this, this vicious cycle and this up and down relationship with their God. And at this moment in Gideon's life, Israel was being oppressed because they were serving idol gods. Once again, and here God has allowed this big, mighty, this big, mighty nation to oppress them. Now, the oppression was financial in nature because they would come in and take their crops and they would take their uh, animals and they would uh, steal, from, steal their crops. And, and, uh, and what Gideon was doing when he was called to ministry, he was hiding, trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. Amen. So, so here God is calling him from obscurity, from oppression, yeah, and you, how many of you know that even when you are oppressed, you are in a battle? You're in a battle. But what God is saying is, I am with you, mighty warrior. Which is why he called Gideon a warrior, because he was in a battle. And God said, I am with you. And so we know the story. Gideon, as he began to develop his relationship with God... God told him, okay, the first thing you're going to need to do is get rid of them idols and go to your daddy's church, if you remember pastor said this, and, and get rid of that idol. So what God is saying today is get rid of those idols. Get rid of those idols, mighty warrior. And once he got rid of the idols, he said, now, build an altar to me. Allow me to be number one in your, in your life. And so Gideon was obedient to God, but he still wasn't convinced that God had called him to be this warrior, this leader, and that God was truly with him. So he's like, God, please, can you, can you just show me a sign? And so he laid out a fleece. We know the story. And he asked God to put dew on the fleece and leave the surrounding areas dry. And God did that. And then the, he said, okay, God, can you do the opposite? Just, just, I just need a little confidence. So he did the, the opposite, and we know that that began to build Gideon's faith. Amen. And so some of us have not developed our relationship. We have not matured enough, and, and we need to know that God is with us. And God is saying this morning, oh, I'm with you, and if you need to throw out a fleece, go head on. Yeah, I'm with you. And so after that, Gideon got a little bit stronger. And so God told him, okay, now call the people together because we're getting ready to go to battle. And so 32,000 people showed up. Now, mind you, Midian's uh, uh, army and nation was 135,000. And the, the word uh, mentions that, that they had camels. So I'm not really sure what that means, but that was impressive. Like they had all the wars of the day that, that, were, that were impressive. And so they were mighty and they were strong. But Gideon had 32,000 to show up. So I'm sure he was just confident that God was with him. But then God said, no, now that's a little bit too many. 
Yeah, you're going to think you did it on your own. Say what? And so he said, go and ask the ones that are scared to leave. How many of y'all scared? 22,000 raised their hand, and they went home. So that left 10,000. So Gideon, you know, was probably still a little confident, right? God said, no, that's still too much. Take them to the river. Whoever laps like a dog, put them over here. And whoever kneels, put them over here. And the ones that lap like a dog, those are the ones I want you to keep. And guess how many that was? 300. Oh, my God. All right, then. Yeah. You with me? Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha, God. And so God told him, I'm going to deliver and hand over uh, Midian into your hands. They are oppressing you, and I am going to allow you to overcome and defeat your oppression. Amen. Through this small, weak army. So I believe Gideon believed God. But God said, I, I just want to give you a little confirmation. And, and this is the part of the story that, that we just, that's not really in our passage, but I'm just going to let you know what happened. So he sent Gideon down to the enemy's camp in the night and told him to take his servant. He said, I want you to hear what they're saying about you. Now, what I got from that is sometimes what we believe about ourselves is not what others see us as and what others see us as is what God said we were so he sent them down to the enemy's camp and out of that 135,000 people in all the many tents because Midian was nomads and they lived in tents all those thousands of tents Gideon stops by the tent and here's a person saying he had a dream about a barley loaf rolling down in the camp and smashing the tents now, a barley loaf is what poor people use. Barley is what poor people use. So, so his friend said, that sounds like Gideon. Gideon, this weak, poor person that nobody knows, they're calling his name. That sounds like Gideon. And it sounds like that Midian is going to be handed into his hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, that just lifted Gideon's spirit. He began to praise and worship God. That's why I'm saying, who's ever going through this morning, praise your way through. Hallelujah. So Gideon ran back. He ran back to the 300. And here's where our passage will begin. If you have your Bibles or whatever, turn to Judges chapter 7. Now, we're going to have a praise party in here today, okay? All right, y'all have your Bibles out, but you're going to have one hand on your Bible and one hand in the air, okay, because we're going to praise God. Judges, Judges chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. So before we, I did pray, right, because I was all excited. I prayed, okay, forgive me, Lord. We're going to put our big idea on the screen. And our big idea says that deliverance from our oppressive situations is a battle. Amen. Yeah, it is a battle. 
And we must allow God to fight it for us. Our oppression, whatever it is we're going through, it's a battle. We, we can all agree. But here's what God is saying. Allow him to fight it for us. And so our preaching idea is that the battle belongs to the Lord. Say that out loud. The battle belongs to the Lord. Tell your neighbor, the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so verse 15 and 16, we're going to read that and stop. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, arise. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Victory is yours. And so dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. So he heard the dream and, and he worshiped and he bowed down. And, and here's our first point. Our first point is this. If we are going to allow God to fight for us, Minister Arlene, we must believe God. If we're going to allow him to fight, then we must believe God. If you recall in chapter 6, God told Gideon that I'm going to be with you. And then he told him that I'm going to hand Midian in, into your hands. And now he's gone down to the enemy's camp. And now Gideon has confirmation that God is going to put, give Gideon, Midian, Midian sorry, into his hands. And so God knows we sometimes need encouragement and, and, and we need uh, people to, to confirm what he's saying sometimes and sometimes it comes from places that we would never have thought and so here the enemy is confirming what God has said to Gideon so we must believe God and here's how we know that Gideon believed God because he went running back to the 300 man army and he began to prepare for the battle yeah, he began to prepare. He divided the 300 men into three companies and he gave them their weapons. A trumpet, what they call a chauffeur. He gave them an empty clay jar and a torch. We go into battle. Gideon believed God and so he began to prepare. Now the armies of today... They do divide their armies up into companies. Some of the reason is because they want to flank the enemy on different sides. It's a, it's a tactic. It's a strategy. Or it could be that they need for one of the companies to be a diversion while the other ones attack. So Gideon begins to prepare for battle, he divides his little, small, weak army with their little weapons into three companies, and he's ready to march out for battle. Why? Because if we're going to fight 
and allow God to fight for us, we have to believe God. And so what we see in these two verses is that even though they believed God, he prepared for battle. Somebody this morning, yeah, begin to prepare. Begin to prepare for battle. God will deliver, but he wants to see that we trust him and have faith in him. And so let's go to our second point. Our second point is if we are going to allow God to fight for us, we have to believe him. And then our lifestyle has to reflect that he's with us. Amen. Our lifestyle has to reflect that God is with us. Let's see, what are you talking about, preacher? Look at verse 17 and 18. Gideon's talking to his 300. He says, watch me. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, Blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Our lifestyles must reflect that God is with us. So Gideon knew at this point that God was with him. And, and once again, when we look back in chapter 6, if you recall, when the angel came to Gideon and told him God was with you, pastor labored a little bit in that phrase. He said it was uh, the, the angel of the Lord told Gideon that the Lord was with him and it was given in a, a, a second person. Let me see. I wrote it down. Second person singular. And what he was saying was that he wasn't saying the Lord is with y'all, but it was personal and intimate. The Lord is with you, Derek. The Lord is with you, Annette. He was saying the Lord is with you. And so our lifestyles must reflect that God is with us once we believe and understand that he's with us. And, and what Gideon is saying now, watch me and do as I do. He's saying that in the first person singular. He's talking about himself. Not watch this company, but watch me. Why? Because God is with him and has chosen him to lead the company. Now, what I found out about a leader in the army is that there's different rankings, right? And I don't know what they all call, but there's, there's leaders. There's leadership. Why? Because the, the uh, orders must come down. The orders flow down so that everybody are, has one main mindset. Because if everyone else, if everybody did what they wanted to do, as we can see what's happening in America, there's what's called confusion. And so there's a leader. So here, Gideon, he's not like trying to take the place of God, but he's saying, watch me because I'm the leader because I'm watching God. I'm getting my instructions from on high. My orders are coming down. Amen. And so the orders are coming down and he, because God is with him. When I was growing up, I used to hear this a lot. Don't do what I do. Just do what I say. 
Amen. And I'm sorry. I don't know about y'all, but that just didn't, that didn't fit with me. I couldn't understand why I had to, if you was over here doing that, why I got to be over here. Confusion. There wasn't one main idea. Amen. Another reason why the, the, the orders have to come down from the leader is because lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. And if you've ever been in the military, you must follow the commands that have been issued to you by your leader because lives are at stake. You all know Elder Derek always says something like this, that his sons can do whatever he does. And maybe somebody didn't understand that, but that's just a reflection of his lifestyle. That means that whatever he's doing, they can do it and they won't be harmed by it because his orders are coming from on high. Amen. So in order to allow God to fight for us, our lifestyle must reflect that he is with us. We must get our orders from on high. Lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. If you have not lined up with God, begin to consider that because he wants to deliver, he wants to save, and he wants to set free. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. We're going to go to my third point, and, and we're going we're gonna to really spend a lot of time here. I'm not going to be before you long, just as long as God says, amen. Okay, point three. In order to be delivered, we must understand that although the battle is the Lord's, God uses us so that we can know who he is. I'm going to say it again. In order to be delivered, we must understand that, yeah, the battle is the Lord's, but he's going to fight through us. Not so that the enemy can know because he don't need us to defeat the enemy, but he needs for us to know who he is. He wants to reveal himself to us on a whole nother level. Some years ago, my husband was working for a company called uh, Sarah Lee. And before he got that job, man, we were struggling financially. But baby, when he got that job, that was more money than we ever had in I don't know how long. Hey, hun. Huh, hun. We were spending that money so fast, man. We was buying cars, stuff for our kids. I mean, we had a lot of idols in our house. A lot. And what happened was he got sick. And, honey, that's been your story, huh? Oh, sorry. <laughs> he got sick and had to go out on disability. Well, we all know disability don't even pay you a fraction <laughs> of what you're making. So here we are, oppressed, in an in a oppressed situation, struggling. I'm trying not to worry him about how we're going to pay our bills and feed our kids because he's trying to go through a surgery, but I was wondering that. He was gonna be out of work a couple of months. 
And even in my immature relationship with God, I knew enough to stand on his word. I continued paying my tithes because for one thing, they wasn't enough to get me out of debt no way. <laughs> so why hold on to them, right? And so I continued to pay my tithes. And I remember I had a lady by the name of Miss Marie. She was an older lady, retired, and she would try to give me her little pension money to help me out. And I was like, God, I don't know if this is you, but I can't take Miss Marie's money because, again, that ain't enough. I had to, we had to lean and depend on God. We had to allow him to fight this battle for us. And so Patrick called the mortgage company because that was our biggest debt. And they told us we didn't have disability insurance. We knew because you know how we are. You know, we don't want to spend our money on no insurance, right? <laughs> we just want to buy fancy things. We didn't have insurance. But the, but the guy said, but look, you can uh, get a hardship case. Fill out this form, blah, blah, blah. How long, how long are you going to be off? Two months. I asked for that. So we asked for the two months. And they declined us. They turned it down. It's like, oh, God, I thought this was it. I thought you were moving and working on our behalf. But I'm still yet standing on your word. I still believe I don't have no choice. And so the guy said, ask for more. Me and my naive self, but we don't need any more. He was going back to work. And the guy's just like, ask for more. <laughs> hint, hint. So we go back and we ask for more. And guess what? Yeah, we got it. So now we begin in our immature relationship, we begin to see that God does hear us, that God does care for us. We begin to see God at a whole new level that he will provide. So not only could we make it through those two months, but even the two months afterwards, we had enough to put, in, to put up and save if we, if we chose to do that. But you know, I said we weren't mature. <laughs> Anyhow, we learned God. So in order to be delivered, we must understand that although the battle is the Lord, he uses us to know who he is. So here's what the passage reads in 19 through 21. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. So in the middle of the night, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying as they fled. Yeah, the battle is the Lord's. So here's what's going on. Gideon and the 300 have surrounded the camp in the middle of the night. And all they had is a chauffeur, the trumpet, an empty clay jar of which they put the torch inside of it. And they had that in their left hand and the horn in their right hand. They surrounded the camp. All 300 of them. And all 300 of them had their so-called weapons. So basically, they're unarmed. 
They're weak. They're small. They're poor. They're probably a little malnutritioned, but yet they're doing what God has ordered them to do. And so what we have to understand about this is that normally only a small percentage of the army would have trumpets and a small percentage of the army would have the torches. And so when the enemy heard the, the horns blow and the torches and saw the torches light up, in their mind, the army was bigger than what they imagined. So although they were unarmed, this was a psychological war. Yeah. See, today our, our, our armies, yeah, because they fight on their own, they take M16s and M4s and cannons and tanks to fight the battle. But God said, go in here with a torch, a clay jar, and a trumpet. You see, what I got out of that was that the enemy has no power. See, because the enemy thought that the army was huge based on what they saw and what they heard. But what God is saying to us today, he has no power over our lives. See, God knows all. He sees all. He's everywhere at all at the same time. The enemy knows nothing, sees nothing, only what God allows. <laughs> the enemy has no power. Somebody needs to know. He has no power over your life. Yeah, God will fight your battle. And so the 300 weak, feeble army stood around with their trumpets and their clay jars and their torches and this big huge mighty army got scared so let's look at these weapons of war before we go a little further so the army they had the trumpet or the chauffeur in their right hand what the the Jews say about the right hand and your right side is this, that it's considered prestigious. For those of you that are left-handed, I'm sorry, they do have section about left. They do accommodate. But I'm just going to talk about the right and the left right now. And so they say that the right side and the right hand is prestigious. And they hold the trumpet in their right hand and they blow it on the side of their right mouth. The right hand um, represents the side of good. And they give precedence to it to remind them or us to follow the right path. Amen. They do. They have a whole list of things. If you look in the Jewish website of that, what they do on their right side, they, when they put their clothes on, they put their right arm in the shirt first, the right leg, the right shoe. Everything is done on the right side because it puts you in a mindset to stay on the right path. And so this army had a trumpet, a chauffeur in their right hand, and blowing it in this instance 
it meant that it would cause fear and confusion. Amen. So now let's look at the left side. In the left side, the army had this clay jar that was empty, but they put inside of it a torch. Why? Because it was late at night in the middle of the night and they wanted to hide the light until such a time. And so the left side, the Jews say this about the left hand. They put their phylacteries, if we know what that is, that's the little black case that they keep the commands in. They put it on their left side. It's close to the heart. They carry that on their left arm because the left side is the weaker side. The left side will teach us that we have no power to accomplish anything on our own. Whatever we achieve is only with the strength given to us by God. And so they have this weak clay jar and a torch hidden inside of it in their left arm. And so at the Gideon's command, they blow the trumpet and they break the clay jar. So now the light is shown in the darkness. Here's what Paul says about that. He's talking about God. He said that God said, let there be light in the darkness. He said that God has made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God wants us to know that he will fight our battles. And so when they break the glass jar and the light is shining, he wants us to see his glory and that the power belongs to him. He goes on to say, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves, listen to this, are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure that makes, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. And so Gideon begins to blow the trumpet and break the jars and the light begins to shine in the darkness and it's letting the, the Israelites know that God is with them and that he is the one with all the power. And what they begin to do was stand holding up their trumpets with their right hand, holding up their torches with their left hand and standing ground, not moving, taking their positions. And I can hear them. They begin to shout a sword for God and a sword for Gideon. That means all authority and power belongs to God. And so I don't know about you, but I begin to hear someone cry out in the night, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I don't know uh, when you're facing disappointments, when you're facing oppression, God is saying, stand on his word, believe what he said about you, hold up your light and say, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. All in my home, I'm going to let it shine. 
all on my job. I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. This is my favorite verse. Not gonna make it shine, but just gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, somebody, give God some praise, yeah. Yeah, he's calling for our praise, yeah. He wants us to know that, yes, we are weak vessels. We are like jar clays, but inside of us, his light shines. And if we're going to be delivered from our oppressive situations, we have to understand that he wants us to know just who he is. The enemy has no power. The enemy has no power. He don't know what God is up to. They thought it was a big, huge army about to attack. And what did they do? They did three things. They began to run around in confusion. They began to cry out. And they began to flee. James said it like this, submit yourselves to God. Resist, which that word means to stand, opposing. Resist the devil. Yeah, stand, keep your ground, hold up your light, blow your trumpet, and he will flee. The enemy has no power. And us alone has no power. But the Lord in us has all power. We have it in us. We're like empty jars of clay, and we have the power of God in us. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, the battle is the Lord's. Oh, somebody ought to be shouting. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You have to understand the battle is the Lord. Yeah, take your position, take your place, develop your relationship, believe God for what he said, believe him for who he says you are, for the battle is his. And my final and fourth point is this. When God delivers us, then he is revealed to those around us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check this out. Verse 22 and 23. This was kind of confusing to me, but God began to open up the light. And he let me see. He says, verse 22. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. That's deliverance. That's deliverance. He caused them to turn on each other. They were so confused. Yeah, this unarmed 300-man army didn't have to do nothing but stand. And God caused the enemy to turn on each other. But check this out. They began to flee. The army fled. I don't know if I can pronounce these names. I'm going to try. This one looked like it got a cuss word in it. So I don't think I'm going to say it. But it said the army fled to Beth cuss word, you know, toward Zira, <laughs> as far as the border of Abel-Meholah near Tabith, 
the Israelites from Naphtali. Now, I know these names because these are the tribes of the Israelites. The Israelites from Naphtali and Asher and Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. See, what happened is that, remember the 22,000 that was afraid, and they went home. Yeah, that's them. And remember that, that 9,700 that God says, send them home, that's, that's them. See, what God is saying is that when he delivers us, he's revealed to those around us. Now, they might have not been part of the original plan. It was not their time or their season, but God still involved them in the plan. They were called and sent out to head the enemy out before they got to the Jordan. See, because they are always a part of the plan. They just were not, it was just not their season at this time. And when God reveals himself and delivers you, guess what? Your family is going to see who God is. Guess what? Your co-workers around you are going to see who God is. Guess what? When God begins to, to move this vision into fruition, those people over there in those homes that don't come over here, they're going to begin to see who God is. They, they will realize that they were a part of the plan all along. They might have not, you might have not been in that, in that uh, what pastor called core 300 or at this time and season in your life, but you're still a part of the plan. Hallelujah. When God delivers, when God sets free, he's going to reveal himself to us and to those around us. For he has a plan. He has a purpose. Hallelujah for our lives. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for this ministry and this church and the ministry he has put in you and your life. Hallelujah. And so to my husband, when God has a call on your life and he is calling you to submit to him because he wants to reveal himself to those around you. And I want to say to somebody else out here that has heard the call in their life and you're still wondering and need confirmation. God is saying, I'm with you and I need you to believe. Believe me. And somebody that's going through, that's wrestling, that's bound up, the chains are falling. The chains are falling. You need to praise God right where you are. Praise him before the battle has been fought because he said he will win. We will win. He already said that. So begin to praise him and then prepare for the battle. Prepare for the battle because he's ready to fight. He's ready to fight. All he's going to do is give you a, 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 a trumpet and he's saying blow your trumpet trumpet blow your horn let everybody know who he is he's going to give you a light he's he's given you a light it's hidden now he said break the jar and let the light shine because the world needs to know that he's God and he's real and he's living in this world today there's so much confusion going on there's so much going on yeah, the people have not lined up. Everyone is not getting their orders from on high. Yeah, we're not, we're not lined up. Hallelujah. Lives are at stake. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, worship team. <laughs> 